Hey, if you're loving the show, make sure you become a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can get episodes where you can't get anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash theameliafortes. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you are. Thank you for being here. You are listening to Courageous Self-Love, the official podcast for the self-love revolution happening right here, right now. I'm your host, Amelia Fortes, and today our episode is about self-love and creativity, and more specifically, creating consciously, loving yourself enough through conscious creation and honoring your craft and being abundant about your talents. And to help me with this topic, I have invited a very dear friend of mine, Kat Tangchenko, a.k.a. Oddfaced, and she is here today, right here, right now. We've done so much fun stuff together, and this episode, I feel like, is going to be a lot of fun because <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of um, recent lessons in terms of art and creativity and creating consciousness. Oh, yes. For those of you listening who don't know Kat, she is a visual artist and she is also a makeup artist, most known for her video work on YouTube. As always, I will link in the show notes more information about Kat so you can get to know her a little better. But let's jump right in. What do you think the best thing is about being an artist or a creator in this world? Hmm. I think... The best thing about being an artist is, I mean, anyone can be, like, keep their childlike magic, you know, whether you're an artist or not, in the way that, you know, you move around in the world, the way that you live your day. But I feel like as artists, you have so many opportunities to keep playing, you know what I mean? And just kind of be whimsical and just try different things that don't always make sense. And so I think as an artist, it's really a gift to be able to explore those things. And if you're really hardworking and smart and patient, you can also make money <laughs> doing it or find a way to do that. So yeah, I think the best thing about being an artist is being able to play and yeah. find a way to make a living off mm -hmm. playing and, like and your, exploring. Your yeah. Yeah. Right. Exploring emotions. Like mm -hmm. some people just have to like process their emotions and we can actually you know, as hard as certain things like, you know, depression or anxiety or, you know, death can be, um, we have a wild, great big avenue where we can not just process it and get through it, but make something out of it that can actually come back and help other people who are artists or not artists. So I think that's huge. It's such a great vehicle to process the human experience, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I love that you're bringing all this up to play, the exploration, like it truly is a way to express and it helps you and other people, those who get to witness the art. Another reason why I wanted to talk about art and creativity, because you mentioned like if you work really hard at it, you can actually be compensated for it. I would like to one day live in a world where abundant compensation for artists is normal. And I think there are some industries and some avenues where that is true, but generally speaking, not really. Like people, it's like, I feel like people don't value art unless it's like either like already, already like way top level, like million dollars a painting or, or whatever. Yeah. 
remember when downloading music illegally was like totally everyone did it and we knew it was illegal we knew we were kind of screwing over the artists and mm. the musicians and their hard work but everyone was just doing it so it was just like it's fine and when they cracked down on it most of us were just like man you know it was like we're really annoyed but we had to get with the program because it just it wasn't acceptable anymore and now you know things like spotify exist now it's not a big deal anymore because it's been normalized like yeah if you want music you have to pay for some kind of service or you know listen through youtube or something i yeah. feel like this has happened before like people will pay for it you just like you said have it has to be normalized and i'm yeah. not sure what the version of that is for artists in general but i feel like in the same way we used to all you know download music like it's fine it's not really hurting anyone on a big scale well, but like, it is though. It is. It's yeah. hurting the artists, and even even the streaming services I know have hurt artists, especially like more yeah. mid level ones that oh. don't have millions and millions of downloads because the money that they make from streams, like per stream, is far far less than like buying CDs and stuff. I guess and, it still did hit yeah. them because I was watching like a documentary about it, and it's not the same because back when people would actually like buy albums. It was mm -hmm. a lot better, and now people just want like a song, and they'll listen to it through a streaming service a streaming. instead of yeah. And and like yeah, if you have millions of streams, billions of streams, then you know that is well, I don't know exactly how much it costs, but still, it's significantly less. But not to doom and gloom it. I think the the point that we're trying to make here is like, how can we continue to normalize artists being compensated for their work? And it's not a it's not a small task. I just think little by little, people have to start getting with the program that art mm -hmm. is valuable. And I remember this quote, this meme that I saw that was so great where it's like, you know, people think that the arts and creations aren't that valuable, but try and spend a day without listening, without it, yeah. without reading a book, without listening to a podcast, without watching mm -hmm. a movie or a TV show. Like it would yes. be a land world if we couldn't buy clothing with cool print on it or cool designs. I and love so people, that. Yeah. And, and, and people don't think about that. I certainly didn't even as a creator and an artist myself. And so one of the things that I feel is definitely a big part of my mission with self love story and this podcast and in general is like, I'm going to keep creating and I'm going to crack the code to like be compensated for my creations because I believe right. everyone else should. Okay. There was a time when I was like seeing it's firefighters. So of course I was like, Oh my God, I'm dating a firefighter. How wonderful. And we got into this weird conversation where he was just saying that like his kind of job is just more important than things like artists. And mm. I was like, yes, you know, you're literally, literally saving. You know, I was younger at the time. I didn't have as much confidence or dialogue to like discuss these things. And I wasn't about to say we don't need firefighters. I wasn't about to say that we don't need like doctor. Cause he was talking about firefighters, policemen, doctors, mm -hmm. you know, people, the paramedics, people mm -hmm. who are there when you're in deep shit. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had thought of this, but one thing that he was actually really passionate about was what, you know, cause firefighters, sometimes they work for like literally 72 hours straight and then they, mm -hmm. you know, come home like super dead. What would he do? His, room is filled with like stuff to play music like quality music and he just sits there and listens to music and I wish I had the dialogue to tell him like what do you think that is you think you know like you're gonna really sit there and act like music is an art and music isn't important and music is helping you detox from this very grueling job and enable you, know I mean? you to continue to save lives so it's like saving yes. your life so you can save other lives 
And I, I think that's the point. I think people have the misconception that like the literal saving of lives, like mm-hmm. meaning like I'm pulling you out of a fire or whatever, pulling your cat out of the tree yes, is the only thing that's important. But like how many artists get fan letters that are like, your song saved my life. Like I almost exactly suicide, but your song came on and I did mm-hmm. it. Like that's a mm-hmm. literal saving of life. And it also saves the artist's life. Like, I mean, uh, I've been through some pretty dark times in my life and some of the best poetry comes out of me when I'm through really dark times. And I I just think it's because it's a product of like the industrial age, which is still, we're like way past it, but it's still like (laughs) leaking everywhere into everyone's mindset and everyone's thinking. But, you know, I think, I think things are changing. I just wanted to have this dialogue to like start to spark that in, in other people and any of you listening, just your art matters, whatever it is. And art doesn't just have to be like painting or sculpting. It can be writing a blog or, you know, recording a podcast or just, you know, your daily inspirational posts on Facebook. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. make fun of that kind of stuff, but you, you have no idea know. who's going to see it. Exactly. You have no idea. No idea. No idea. And they might tell you. That's what I think I brought this up to you in like another conversation um, about how we're not allowed and it's not really our business and we're not always going to or supposed to know how our work or how our words or how our art is going to affect people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the few times that we're lucky where people actually take the time to write a comment or tell us in person that, hey, this really helped me because most of them don't say it. Say. And mm-hmm. I don't, I do the same. Like usually I think I'm telling everyone. Mm-hmm. But these are the people that I like follow on a personal level. But there's so many like public pages, like someone's behind that updating it where I just saw like a meme or heard a song and it just saved me that yeah. day. And yeah. I don't even know sometimes how to contact the person who's in charge of that. But, you know, thank you. And so I had to remember that because I would, you know, as an artist, as someone who also pr- wants to promote, you know, motivation and self-love, I would get down sometimes because I'm just like, no one's listening because no one's telling me that it's actually helping them. So why am I doing it? Yeah. Um, but people are always because, listening. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even motivational stuff. Like before, so I used to just make makeup tutorials, right? For like scary looks, horror, um, Halloween type looks on YouTube. They used mm-hmm. to be my main things. Um, so I was making these videos like 2011. I had this um, girl who used to watch my makeup tutorials very regularly contact me and say like hey I need to tell you like a little story about how how you really helped me and my friend when we were in high school and she was like um she had cancer and she was in the hospital mm-hmm. and you have no idea how much your like makeup tutorials helped us and I know it sounds so strange but you know she was in so much pain but we would watch your videos and we would recreate the looks together in the hospital and like oh. laugh and she was like, and she's passed away now. And like at the time I didn't process it. When I read it, I was just like, I couldn't even handle the information. And then later when I told the story to my parents, they started crying because, yeah. you know, it's just, and that was 2011. That was years ago. I had no idea that a makeup tutorial that has nothing to do with like cancer or helping people affected these two girls in that way. And she was like, thank you because you gave, um, you gave me happy memories to hold on to it even though she's not here anymore like thank you for making those and I was just like what the hell (laughs) yeah and so like yeah so when I heard that I was just stunned and I was just like didn't know how to process it didn't know if I deserved it and it's only when I tell other people about it that I get emotional so just stuff like that like you have no idea like completely unrelated things 
just connect yeah. to certain people in ways that you're not always going to know. Yeah. Not everyone's going to say anything. And, and it's just, that's why I tell myself it's not always my business. Like I'd like it to be my business, but I can't have that be the reason I make things because I don't know. I just feel like any work that I know of that has ever resonated with people was something that I made out of joy that I made mm. like out of happiness that I made authentically. I cannot think of a poem or a video or a makeup thing that I made that someone really like connected with it strongly that I didn't know in that moment when I was creating it, I wasn't like feeling it, vibing, trusting myself, not right. afraid of making mistakes. Like the things that I was like booty tight and all up tight and stressed about, I don't, <laughs> even if I think it was like, even if to me it's like the epitome of perfection in a moment of something I've created, I don't really hear because the energy with translates those as much. It does. Yeah. And I'm and learning I, that. Yeah, the energy really does translate. And I and I love all of these stories. And, and there's a couple of pieces that I want to pull out of that. Because number one, the deservability. And this goes back to normalizing the creative process, but also normalizing that artists and creators deserve to be compensated for their work. And just normalizing that it matters. And because mm -hmm. it does. And I think if it was more normalized that it mattered, then your response yeah. to that amazing reflection wouldn't have stunned you as much. Like, like if, when a doctor delivers a baby, they're used to like the parents crying and saying thank you. I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't speak for everyone. But like I, I can imagine that it's not as shocking if a doctor saves a life you know, for, and then the family thanks them for the doctor to be like, Oh, mm, do I deserve this? It's like, yes, I know I saved your life. Like, you know, um, mm -hmm. and again, I'm not speaking for all doctors, but I can like, it's more normalized is my point. That's literally their job. Yeah. <laughs> but also art, like that's literally your job to emote, to feel because artists provide an avenue for people to feel something that maybe otherwise they wouldn't be able to without mm -hmm. it. And then it's also the avenue for the artists themselves to process. Right. So hashtag art saves lives, y'all. Right. <laughs> Which is why all of us artists are so freaking emotional because it's our job to like dig into that shit. Mm -hmm. um, and, and speaking yeah. of like being really emotional and, and some of this other stuff, because we're, we're like kind of talking about both sides of it, like the great side of it, but then also like the flip side what's some of the worst things about being a creator and an artist? The worst things. I mean, of course, I'm sure most people can agree unless you're at the top is like the financial instability at times. Like most of us for a long time have to hold down a day job or if you're freelancing, you're pretty much in a state of like stress and kind of just not knowing mm -hmm. if it's, if you're going to be able to pay rent or be able to keep doing this and not knowing where your money is coming from. Mm -hmm. So the financial instability, which I guess can also come from people or from it being very normal to not want to pay for art because mm -hmm. it's seen as like not a necessity in the same way like food and other stuff is. Yeah. Um, like it's easier but, for people. I feel like it's more normalized for people to expect that there's an artist willing to do something for free. Mm -hmm. like, and most of us do. And most at the of beginning. Us because, yeah. But because it's not normalized to, because like even, like a beginner doctor. I mean, I, sh I know they go through like internship and residencies and stuff. So I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know what the financial, you know, elements of that are. 
but like once you're a doctor and like you see a patient like you're not just like all right like this is on like trade <laughs> you know barter there's no like barter right the level of respect for something yeah, like that exactly and but like so many artists because it's it's normalized to quote unquote be a starving artist sometimes and people will say like ooh for trade or it's because you'll get some credit or some recognition. And, you know, I think that's okay to do for a little while, but not as long as some people do it. Yeah. And that also comes with the confidence and the very awkward conversation between how confident you feel your self-worth and how much you're charging people or willing to ask for. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's, I feel like a journey, yeah. a journey for every artist and creator. But, you know, for those of you listening who like to consume art and things that other people create, definitely consider normalizing the compensation for that. And I invite everyone, you know, myself included to just, you know, check yourself when it's like, oh, let's do this for a trade, you know, when it's really like you want to hire that person. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, let me pick your brain. Like I saw there was a tweet about like this thread of like, Pick your brand just means can you work for me for free sometimes? <laughs> yeah. And, that, yes. You're like, that hits home. <laughs> well, it hits home on both sides. Like wow. when people ask me for advice, mm-hmm. free advice, mm-hmm. lots of free advice. And also when I've wanted to do the same and I, like you said, have to check myself. And I was actually, I love that you brought, this was like so seamless how you brought this up because I've been wanting to bring up um, when it comes to the topic of creating consciously compensating mm-hmm. others consciously because I want, you know, to be paid for my worth. But at the same time, I want to shoot this cute little fun video. Let's ask, you know, my actor friends to work for free. Mm-hmm. Yay, mm-hmm. Let me give you video footage. That's going to look cool. And it's, it's always just an awkward conversation. And um, even deeper into that, sometimes I'll offer to pay, but it's so little, even though like if I paid someone <laughs> $25, which mm-hmm. is just like, what is that even? But there's like four people. That's $100 for someone who's would never even make $100 in a day at the moment. It's just like, that's killing me. But it's just like, some people almost prefer, unless you're going to pay them their worth to not pay them at all. And then some people are willing to do things um, if they can use the content you're creating for their reel or to get actual paid work. So it's just such, to me, it's right now a very awkward conversation on, it can be more conscious of it. it and, yeah. It, and I think yeah. it's awkward because it's not normalized. Right. And you're exactly. actually reminding me of, you know, cause I know that like with actors and actresses, there's like, and maybe it's not just actors and actresses, but that idea of deferred compensation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe, you know, the answer, I actually don't know the answer to this. I wish I did, but I have a feeling that like the, the cameraman cast and crew I mean, sorry, the crew, I don't think there's such a thing as deferred compensation for that. But like for the actors, there is. Deferred compensation means you don't get paid until like the movie makes money. So you're basically working for free until like then the movie gets distributed and then then they get money. And then that's when the compensation will be distributed to the actors but the crew needs to be paid for that time I don't think that crew would necessarily accept deferred compensation and so it's just they like need this, to be paid now yeah it's just interesting yeah. to me that like this concept of deferred compensation is okay for the performer for the talent 
But then for the crew, it's like, it's not normal. Yeah, I have two examples that now I'm thinking of. I had like a person I was working with that just needed me to like record some of my voice for mm -hmm. music. And he said, you know, um, I can't remember the terms because I don't normally work in the music industry, but he said I would get, is it royalties or something? Like if people are buying the beat, I'll get a cut of that. And another time I did like a modeling thing and I wasn't expecting pay. Like I just really liked the artist's work. And I didn't know that she was going to make them into like these thousand dollar like plexiglass prints or mm. yeah, like huge yeah, of like my body, like my face. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh yeah, if it, um, I'm going to give you a cut of the, yeah. I guess royalties. Is that just for music or that's for anything? Or of the commissions maybe? The commission. Yeah. Something like that. And I was just like, oh, like I was thankful, you know, cause it didn't have to tell me that, but I was also like, didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> like well, I didn't that's, know that's the whole thing that, intellectual yeah. property, like, or, or your, your likeness. That's why people need to sign release forms because it's like, I'm allowed, like my likeness voice and face and all of that is my property. And so if you're mm -hmm. going to use it and make money and make money, then I get to be paid for it. But when you sign a general release, that's why it's basically saying you're not going to ask for compensate. You're not going to ask for a cut of the royalties or right. whatever. But there, there absolutely are terms where you can get that, the royalties, like with this voiceover work and this modeling work. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, you absolutely should be paid for that because it's your body, it's your voice, it's your face, it's your likeness and image mm -hmm. and I think that's normalized in a lot of industries like the music industry and stuff like that but I think when people are first starting out it's not as normalized and especially like in LA right like everyone just wants to do these projects and like everyone's broke and no one's paying each other for anything and you mm -hmm. know I hear what you're saying about the awkwardness but honestly I think something is better than nothing because you know I'm gonna get very esoteric and metaphysical but like the, the exchange of money and energy in that way, it does create like a flow and like mm -hmm. an abundance. And it's, you know, telling the universe basically like I value yep. this. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. Yeah. yeah. And as the recipient of it, you're also saying I value my gift. I value my craft. I value my body, my face, my voice enough to it, that if someone is using it, then I get to be compensated for that. Not from like a selfish, greedy perspective, which a lot of people think it's like, no, like you're using my talent. Like this is me. This is my time. There's two artists that normally work together. They joked about how honestly, for how much they've collaborated together, it, they feel like they've just been passing the same $20 bill back and forth, but that's still like a message, right? To the universe. No, being it's like, still I'm paying you. Yeah. yeah. That's why a lot of like entrepreneurs too, and artists and, like, I don't believe in trading services. I feel like if I'm going to use Energy. your services, I'm going to pay your fee. And if you want to use my services, you're going to pay my fee. And it, it, it does, it legitimizes, like, everything, I feel like. Right. Because it feels bad. It feels real. When you um, work for less than you know you're worth. Mm -hmm. But we're also, like, well, not everyone, but me, and I know many others are afraid because we're afraid if we say the amount we want or the amount that we think we're worth and they say, no, we're going to lose that client and we need to make X amount of money for this reason, or we'll just lose that client in general. Or I guess the fear of naming our price 
in conjunction with how we feel about ourselves and worrying that we're just going to lose because of that. So we end up working for less or for free. And then being like, for me, sometimes like resentful on the project, which I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. So it's really a strange like dance and then it gets really hard. I was having a conversation with another friend who's a makeup artist and she's a big advocate for only taking gigs that are like minimum wage at the, at the least, which I think for like makeup is like 168, which is like mm-hmm. low for a day rate. It should be like 200 and up, up, up. And she'll be on like Facebook forums calling mm-hmm. out people who are posting gigs that are underpaid or people who are taking gigs. And she's like, hey, um, I know it's hard because I've been there. You know, sometimes you're at the end of the month and you're like, I need to make rent. But the more like mob mentality, like every single person that says yes to like an underpaid gig as a makeup artist is telling like the whole industry and it's okay to that it's okay to like undervalue no that's that's absolutely right no that's absolutely right and I think the deservability here's the thing it's like we think okay we're gonna lose that client we're gonna lose that opportunity but then what's the cost of taking it it's like you said the resentment and then like how you feel how you feel about yourself like reinforcing the idea that your work isn't worthy and reinforcing the idea to the industry and to that person thinking like, Oh, well, so-and-so did it for this much then everyone else should be able to. But like, imagine if all makeup artists just clamped down and were like 200 per day minimum and up, like to your point about music, people will have to fall in line. Right. Right. This is not to like rag on any one artist or whatever. It's just the whole conversation we're having is around being conscious like not only creating consciously but also compensating consciously and Mm -hmm. starting to plant the seeds of like really normalizing this concept and it starts with us you know so it's a two-way street it starts with like the hirers or the employers of these gigs like to really be conscious and not be greedy or whatever and say Mm -hmm. no I want to I want to create something where I am compensating fairly and I do want to ask the person, but then it's a two way street because then the artist or the creator also has to like request what they're worth. Right. And if so many people are just willing to like do anything for free, then it hurts the whole industry. And that's, mm-hmm. that's not talking though. Cause like, I mean, definitely people starting out like, like, you know, there's internships even in corporate America. Well, in the financial services, I know there are no like free internships, but there's a lot of like corporate internships where they're unpaid, but they are getting like experience out of that. However, to keep saying that your project is like credibility and you don't need to be paid, like not all projects are like that. Right. Like for me, I guess I keep using the word awkward because I feel like the people who are often not paid unless you're at the top are actors. And obviously someone who like makes videos and wants to shoot certain kinds of things. Like right now I'm actually working on a project where I say this a lot to people is it's basically if they're not getting paid, I try to like tell them exactly what it is and what the content and footage is going to be like. And if that's not something they care about, that they're passionate about, that they feel like would give them something, then don't do it. And then it's on them. And then it becomes awkward because they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm really into it. But if something else comes up, like, paid or something more important is basically what I feel they're saying I'm going to take that and it makes me feel like awkward because it's just like okay it shoots tomorrow are they going to bail 
or see, that's um, yeah that's energetic now at that point and I feel really? I I think so and I think that's not fair like if if it matters to you and you're agreeing to it unpaid and mm-hmm. you're willing to just bail for something like to me I mean I'm big on integrity and it's right. like if you're gonna say you're gonna do something then show up like yeah and, like and I think you're very conscious about those things in my experience and this is all about creating consciously and I think mm-hmm. artists or talent should be conscious that the the integrity and the energy they're putting out there also matters and so if you're going to commit to something unpaid like having a back door it that just doesn't feel right and it's like for me I would almost you rather just say no then yeah so, so I'm I, dealing with that energy yeah. right now with one yeah. of the people that said that and I'm like I get it and I've definitely been on their side and I feel like it's not as big of a deal but it's making me think about hey you know when I say I'm going to be at work even though I don't like this job but decide mm-hmm. to take something else you know what is that saying about my integrity exactly. but at the same time exactly. um, I went to see a movie with a friend the other day and there were like two choices or two opportunities that came up like the day before where suddenly I could make money at this place or this place. And I was like tempted, like not tempted because I knew I wasn't going to bail on this friend because it was important to me, right. To go see this movie and, you know, invest in this friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought about it and I was just like, no, like it's not worth it. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is I've been on both sides of like being tempted, being on the person who, who does need to make money and being on the person who's been bailed on. And at the same time, like one time I was producing a a music video Mm -hmm. and we were paying people. Maybe it wasn't a lot. I think it was like a hundred for a day, maybe two Mm -hmm. days, which is bad, but it was like, we told them exactly what it was way ahead of time. And some people bailed because they got, they said they got a paid gig and me and the, and my um, creative partner that, um, was there with me we were like but we are paying you like we know it's not a lot but like why would you say yes to something if you know you might fail if you know you might fail don't say yes well and I know it's hard it's cause interesting because I think that's just LA that's like the, the, is that just LA <laughs> well I mean I'm not gonna say I'm like the expert and the be-all end-all but you know LA is is infamous for the flakiness and for the, the LA flake yeah <laughs> So hearing that, I think that's just the industry. I'm not saying it condones that behavior. Like I said, mm-hmm. I am a hard ass about integrity. The thing is, though, integrity starts with yourself. So like if people are bailing on these kinds of projects, whether unpaid or not, I'm only, like, I can only imagine how much they bail on themselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't coming from like a judgmental place. It's just coming from a call to action to be con- like conscious. Like this is, we're talking about art and creating consciously. And it's like, how much do you respect art in general or these kind of projects in general? If you're just going right. to bail after saying yes to something like saying yes to something is a verbal agreement or even a written agreement. And to just be like, ah, well, something better came along. Like, you know, mm. at the end of the day, it's almost like rejection is God's protection at that point. It's kind of like, mm. right. maybe I don't want that person on my project then. If exactly. A, a bail. Right. They're so, it's so easy for them to bail. And it just comes to a point of like, I want to create consciously with artists of integrity. Maybe that's, right. that's the like tagline, you know, right? Yeah. It's really making me think about like, being more sacred with where do I want to 
be right now and what who do I value my time do I value others time and even if the world isn't always going to treat me the same like who do I want to be not oh I'm just trying to be LA and keep up with how LA is flaky or LA is not going to pay me I was trying to choose between going to this event that I knew was going to inspire me that was another friendship that I want to invest in and show up or go to a job that I was like already thinking of leaving that I'm not happy at. And I was talking to a friend about it and I was like, I think I'm just going to call out and say that I'm sick and go to this event. And she kind of like caught me off guard and was like, well, why would you lie about it? Like just speak your truth. Just say like, I'm not showing up because you guys don't give me hours. I'm, I'm just not going to be there. I'm going to be somewhere else. And I was like, but why would I say that? Like, you know, like why, <laughs> why would I, you know, put myself on the line and tell them, the truth, you know, if that could get me in trouble. And she was like, I don't know. It just seems, you know, you're sending a message to the universe by lying about it because you're, you're not sick. And I was just like, oh. and, and it kind of <laughs> sat with me and I was just like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, integrity, it's like, there's all, all different levels of it. And I think just like with the compensation piece, how that exchange of energy is a message to the universe, the integrity you have with yourself and other people is also a message. And I know for me, from firsthand experience, the more that I was relentless with my own integrity with myself and with like the people in my close circle, the mm-hmm. more I attracted other people who were like that too. Cause like I just can like stopped being a space for that bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think back to like the point of this episode of like self-love and creativity and creating consciously and it's really about loving yourself through honoring your craft honoring yourself honoring your worth honoring your integrity and trusting that there are other artists and creators of integrity out there but the ones who are not in integrity who will just bail on you they're a dime a dozen and they're everywhere and so everywhere yeah and i mean i learned a lot of hard lessons i get it i learned a lot of hard lessons but like when i got relentless with my own integrity and the fact that i will not fuck with you if you're not that caliber and i mean this is like i said this isn't about judgment this isn't about blame game or anything but just from like an energetic perspective and just from like my experience of you like if I experience that you're flaky and just inauthentic and dishonest like it's it's a no-go no matter Mm -hmm. how good the opportunity is and I it's like that power of no you know I've said no to a lot of friendships and opportunities and a lot of things because I just was like even clients like I've had consultations with some potential clients And it became very clear that I was just like, this is not going to work. And even with dating, like back when I was dating, if I can feel that kind of like energetic tension and like this is going to be a lot more emotional labor than I want to spend. Right. Then you have time. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be a space for it. Which actually brings me like with this whole topic of something one of my mentors told me you know, there's the financial compensation, but then there's also the psychological compensation. And I don't think we think about that. And so it's like, you know, let's say like the gig, the the music video where, okay, maybe you weren't paying as much as whoever bailed and, and they got another gig paying more. 
Mm-hmm. That's a lot of, that's a huge psychological compensation hit on their integrity, whether they realized it or not, or never realize it. That's saying, I'll do anything for money. I'll do anything. Yeah. It's saying that. And I've I'll, done it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I know. like, it's saying like, I'm willing to like bail on people and be out of integrity. And yeah. it's like, that's real. And sometimes it is worth it. So I'm not even trying to say that I'm the judge and the jury on what's worth it for you or anyone else. But mm-hmm. it's a question that I think we all have to ask. It's like, like for me, if I decide to do something for free, like I have to consider like there's, there's the financial compensation and the psychological compensation. And sometimes if the financial compensation is zero, but the psychological compensation is like, awesome like I get to work with someone really cool and learn you know whatever then that might be worth it but I think as artists and creators we all have to kind of have that those boundaries and those standards for ourselves everything you just said just rocked my world right now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it would just made me think of a job I used to have that was the highest I've ever been paid and but psychologically, I would walk out of work just not feeling good because even if my work was valuable, they didn't treat me treat you like that, that way. And at the same time, another job I had doesn't pay me mm-hmm. very well. And psychologically, I also feel bad because I'm not treated well like by the people who are there. And mm-hmm. so it's just really interesting how it didn't like the money didn't really matter. Like of course, mm-hmm. you know, better to be rich and miserable than like broken miserable but it it didn't (laughs) matter psychologically if you're not being if you're not working on things you care about if you're not being treated with respect Respect. like of course you're you know you're going to meet like assholes anywhere that you work but the amount that you meet can be controlled if you're working in a space that you know you believe in that you trust the people like if you're really lucky you even have a team you know that you like built or or joined that just believes in you yeah um So that's just like kind of everything you just said is making me think about the psychological cost and every little decision that you make, every project you invest in or like person you hang out with psychologically, you might say like, oh, right, I'm getting money, I'm getting sex, I'm getting fun. But psychologically, like what is actually, what message are you sending out and what is like now sitting in your like mind, whether you know it or not, about how you value or devalue yourself. So I'm just like, absolutely, <laughs> and, and you know, I, it's like we're not taught this at all anywhere. I mean, unless you were taught it at home, or unless you were taught it by a mentor, like how I was. Like I, uh-huh. like we're we're taught mostly about the financial compensation, and that's why a lot of entrepreneurs and freelancers, and even employers, you know, or employees, stick with things. But it's like, is it worth it? You know, like I know. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who keep clients because they're like a high paying client or they're a client that they've had for a really long time and they keep trying to make it work. But it's like, if the psychological, if that's like a problem client and it's like draining you, is it really worth it? And, and the thing is the psychological compensation takes up space. And if you are willing and, you know, brave enough or courageous enough to just let that go, both the financial and psychological aspects, then you're actually freeing yourself up for something better and something different. And that's kind of what I was referring to when for me throughout all these lessons and Hey, look, I'm still learning this stuff, but like, especially with friendships, I'm constantly assessing the psychological compensation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and it's an exchange of course, right? But it's like I, it starts with me, right? It starts with my own self-love and my own self-worth and I have to be relentless about it because no one's gonna fight for me as much as I am like on a daily right. basis. Cause like I'm the only one with myself literally all the time. And so <laughs> yeah, like, and the thing is the world isn't going to do it for you. I mean, sometimes you have really good friends or really good people around that can help you and maybe do some of it for you. But ultimately like we have to do these things for ourselves. And what I mean is we have to say, no, we have to fire the client. We have to say no to the gig. We have to break up with the toxic friend or the toxic boyfriend or whoever, like we, we're the ones that have to like make that call most more often right. than not. And with, as being an artist and a creator, you know, I think the great first step is to just start stepping into that self-worth and that like making that list of like non-negotiables you know, mm, like if I yeah. do something for free or if, or don't even take that word out. Maybe it's like, if I do something that is zero financial compensation, this is the list of like psychological compensation that I have to have or like right. the list of terms, you know, like I want a credit in the film or I want, I don't know. I'm, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you know, like no, I know. meet good friends, like, like connect with really cool network people, or mm -hmm. I want to, I want it to be a project that I really, really care about. I know for me, I've done a lot of zero financial compensation stuff, like in the industry, like the TV industry, like I've been on like these shows as like a hair model or whatever, or like YouTube shows. And even though they're unpaid, like I love doing that stuff and I get to know mm -hmm. these amazing creators and I get to be on set. And it's just something that I love that brings me so much joy. To me, that's worth it. Right. If it's so in fact, you're gaining. Yeah. Right. And if it's supporting another creator who also is like in alignment with the type of people that I want to support or the type of content that I want to support, I will absolutely be okay with less financial compensation because the psychological compensation is so great and right. vice versa though right because I I think too the relentlessness that I've had with the integrity is like even if the financial compensation is really really freaking good the psychological compensation is just not enough and that was me when I left Wall Street mm -hmm. I was like it's a lot of good money but like I hate my life <laughs> <laughs> I hate my life. I hate, I hate my life. Like, do I want to make a lot of money and hate my life or would I rather like take a risk? So we've talked about creating consciously from the creator or the artist perspective where it's like, you got to be clear on your self-worth and the financial compensation and psychological compensation that you want and like be relentless about protecting that. But then also as a consumer to be consciously compensating for what you're asking for. And I really respect when people do that. And like, even if people, if you can't afford a lot, but like you're willing to have some sort of compensation, like, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks and dinner. You know what I mean? Like, it's important to be conscious of that. And then this concept of like normalizing the creative process and normalizing that art saves lives and art is important. We also had a different spin on creating consciously, right? <laughs> I don't even know how to like dive into this topic. I think we'll, we'll just talk about it and then see what happens. So Kat right, let's go. <laughs> got invited to be in this 
like photo shoot for mm-hmm. that was like promoting other femme artists and femme creators and we got invited and it was like it was going to be in the poppies in the antelope valley we didn't know much about it we just heard that we would get to run around in a field of poppies and yeah which had was never like, done it before yes and we were like let's go create and run around in a poppy field like and and oh my I gosh it, it sounded like heaven and it, and it was heaven and so yeah. yeah I mean we didn't know everything everything about it but like when I hear photo shoot flowers I'm like sure <laughs> it seemed very innocent and open it, and harmless and free it did until it, dun, dun. Yeah. so we did it and we had no clue um we had a lot of How serious we had some really yeah. photos okay. but then we posted the photos on instagram <laughs> and totally both got schooled by an instagram account that their purpose is to educate people on the fact that these thousands of people that are going to the poppy field and had you know quote unquote doing it for the gram are actually killing the field of poppies mm-hmm. and at first I was like really defensive and I was like who the hell are you oh, okay. trolling my page right. <laughs> I mean that's a natural reaction because we you see someone saying something negative on your page it's rarely a good thing. it's really like, like let me welcome your shitty right we're op- yeah I think we <laughs> both have the emotional intelligence and confidence to take constructive criticism but when someone comes to your account and is like giving you the middle finger or telling you you know certain things in a certain way it's hard to like their language is already like inviting you to be closed off so I don't blame us for that thank you for saying that yeah yeah and I applaud I'm totally tooting our own horns for being doing the homework anyway to see Mm -hmm. if they had a point and deciding they did have a point and then turning around and making sure that our platform knows that we like we learned that we were wrong yes. and don't recommend doing it again or doing the same and that now we know better and we're sorry. It was such a good lesson on, on so many levels. And I also wanted to bring in too, because that was around the same time that you were doing like a social media detox, which <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to talk about that as a creator and as an artist and as an entrepreneur. I am a full advocate for social media detox or any kind of any kind of detox that allows you to not fall into the rabbit hole of compare and despair oh, yeah. because as a creator I mean gosh it's you know I asked the question like what's the best thing and what's the worst thing about being an artist and a creator and I think this piece of it is both the best and the worst thing but it's like just literally it's like a piece of your heart a piece of your soul that you're putting mm-hmm. out there to the world and like it's just subject to all the opinions ever and right. I think it's one of the best things about being an artist and a creator because I think it truly is a gift that we have the ability to translate this like <laughs> complex human experience I mean like you you mm-hmm. even have a photo series about grief which you turn <laughs> the five stages of grief into a five different makeup looks that change so many people's lives and it's like that's a that's a true gift so to me I think that's definitely one of the best things about being an artist and a creator but Mm -hmm. also one of the worst things is it's like we're very much subject to criticism of of everyone I mean even with this podcast like I'm five episodes have been released at the time that we're recording this and already like I got a whole 10 page dissertation from someone (laughs) telling me how to make it better 
when I didn't even uninvited uninvited yeah and like and thank you so much Kat for saying that like we absolutely do have the ability and the desire to be open to constructive criticism I do think we're both very diligent about that but there comes a point where it's like be invited first or like ask permission first so back to this whole poppy thing yeah we at first I was like really defensive because I was like what the hell but then I did the research and I educated myself and I openly, you know, both of us, we openly admitted like we had no idea before doing this, that this was a bad thing. And, Mm -hmm. and then we were called out and then we were like mad at first and defensive, but then we educated ourselves and then we corrected it. And it wasn't like a super dramatic thing. Like, Oh, we're so sorry. But it was just like my bad. And I think, right that is such a good thing about creating consciously because one of my favorite things is to dispel the myth of perfectionism. And it's like, we're human. People are going to mess up. We mess up. That's okay. And it's okay to like Mm -hmm. admit it. And the main reason I posted like a correction post and just kind of explaining why and, and how I was wrong. It was because that's what I would want someone else to do. If I pointed out something to them and I said, you know, hey, please get educated on this. This is actually not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think especially in our current environment on social media, it's just a lot of people like yelling at each other. Right. Or they delete things and just act like it didn't happen. It and I was like, I could. Or block. Delete it. Mm-hmm. Or block. And then just, you know, polarize the world even more by not yeah. being able to have dialogue with people who are mad at you or disagree with you. It's a whole nother topic, but yeah. Yeah. So you are saying that's the reason that got yeah. you to do it. You were like, what would I, and that was want? like, yeah, that was back to what I'm saying about being relentless with the integrity. And like, for mm-hmm. me, after my personal, my own assessment of after educating myself and taking a look at the whole situation and like kind of riding the wave of the emotions that I was feeling, <laughs> I was like, you know, who I am, I am a woman of integrity. I am a woman who is honest and authentic about how I'm feeling and who am, is okay with owning up to my mistakes. Right. And so because of that, that's what I put out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it felt really good in a lot of ways. It, it felt, you know, it felt a lot of things to be honest, but right. Part, it felt good it felt and good. awkward, but I knew yeah, like, it was like the good awkward. It was like getting reprimanded by a parent, which I don't feel as often, obviously, since I'm an adult. And it's just like, you know, you don't want to feel that you did something wrong. You don't want to admit it. For me, I'm not going to lie. I know this is not the number one reason I did it, but there's a big embarrassment element to it. Mm. And I found out later that I had friends who knew about this, but they didn't say anything because they didn't, they didn't want to come for me because they valued Mm. like our friendship over having to school me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's very meaningful to me. But I told them like, you know, I love that you valued our friendship more, but I'm very open to becoming more educated, to becoming more woke. And, you know, if I ever do something like this in the future, like feel free to. Yeah, come for me. I actually, okay. I actually had, I actually had a couple of friends like that too. So I share that experience with you. Right, a lot of them are actually from the valley, so I think that's more known there by the locals because they just uh, know that makes sense. That, like I don't know, I'm like yeah, spoiled we had and no grow clue. Up. Right, <laughs> we just um, were like woohoo flowers. 
<laughs> yeah. Like in my, the, I mean, I was told that, oh, it's okay. Cause we're, we're still on the trail. We're not actually step literally not stepping on the flowers. And so to me, I knew there was a trail. I didn't see signs that said, do not step, but I knew yeah, that there, there was no like, signs. it was a poppy reserve. So generally you're not supposed to like stomp the flowers. So in my head, I was like, as long as you don't like literally step on the flowers, it's okay. And I feel like you saw me, I was literally tiptoeing the whole time, like apologizing verbally to any flowers that I got close to stepping on. So I thought it was all okay. And then I educated myself that no, like, you know, the tiny little spots of dirt that I was using to tiptoe on are spots where there used to be flowers because people have already started like the process. Yeah. And also tiptoeing, are really yeah. delicate and uh -huh. in that reserve and like even the spots where there's not like a literal flower, it's still like the seedlings and like the minute it gets, there's like too much pressure on it, it does kill it. I was embarrassed too a little bit because like, you know, I, we both pride ourselves in like knowing stuff and like being conscious. And it seems so silly because it's just like, it's not like I dumped oil in the ocean or slaughtered children. Things that mm. seem so silly, mm -hmm. how big is it going to get, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing when like, when, people don't own up to their mistakes. It kind of snowballs. And for yeah. me, the other piece of it too was because when I was educating myself on it, leaving those photos kind of like, yay, look at us. It, it encourages other people to go and do the same thing. It's like that if, if it wasn't for Instagram or social media, not as many people would have been flocking to that reserve. And it's because people were tagging lo the location, exactly. which is exactly how the people schooling us found us. Before social media, like not as many people were interested in going to like uncharted paths or nature sightings or like these, you know, tunnels with cool graffiti. Now people go there to take a photo. Mm -hmm. There used to be like people who would just go there, mm -hmm. right? And people would just go there because they were actually like exploring, living their life. Maybe they took a picture, but there wasn't a big platform to share it on. And now it's like people tag these locations, people come find it and take the photos. And then that's how you create like all these mini tourist spots. And the I thing is, it's, yeah. it's like if it's a wall of graffiti, that's not so bad because it's on the concrete and in the city. But when it comes to like a natural reserve or like a quiet place and like thousands of people are flocking, it, it disturbs the wildlife, whether right. it's the plant life or the flowers or the actual like animals who live there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were coming to my defense kind of being like, oh God, you know, these crybabies talking right. about the flowers, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Or, oh God, we've been running around in the grass since we were kids. And I'm like, yes, but adding the social media aspect to it, it, it exacerbates the whole thing. It's not just like I'm running through the grass. Like another person mentioned, oh God, so I can't lay on the grass at Central Park or whatever. And it's like, that's not <laughs> um, the same thing. Grass in a public park is different than a reserve where you're literally not allowed to go off the trails. In our defense, right, like you said, there, there were no signs where we were, and we just didn't know. And it's, it's, it, that's okay, I think, is the thing. Like, it's okay when you don't know, but when you do know, then you get to own up to it. For those of you listening, you can even go to my Instagram. You'll see the post that I made like blew up <laughs> and it's like people appreciate when you just own up to your shit and just put it out there. Like I wasn't self-deprecating. I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm so sorry or whatever. But I just was like, this happened. I had no clue. I educated myself. Boom. Here you go. It was very much appreciated. And um, 
interesting then interestingly enough like a week later vice news <laughs> oh gosh posted a video and our group was in it and they interviewed yeah. us and they interviewed us well yeah kat and i weren't personally interviewed but they yeah we were we're in a lot in of the background video. <laughs> <laughs> that video was viral for sure yeah they the editing was very interesting <laughs> Well, we couldn't even tie that back to creating consciously because we, yeah. as like performers or interviewees, were not told how that those what the footage was going to be used for, what the footage was going to be for, how they felt about us, and what we were getting ourselves into. They made us feel like we were being interviewed because we were being like revered or um, yes. admired, even for mm-hmm. our creativity. And instead, they edited the video in a way that made us look completely stupid and unaware. Yeah. Which, which I guess cool. you know, our group was like we were unaware but like creating consciously like you know to manipulate your subjects like that you can say that it's LA or say that it's vice news or what but it was just it left a bad taste in my mouth and I know they're like edgy with their content but I was like they didn't make them sign anything you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I don't know if the news is always like that like they could just film whatever they want and I mean that's what paparazzi do you know they take the photos and they make the the headlines yeah titles the tabloids and stuff yeah, like they make the story and you don't get to control your story. Or even like in reality shows or even in um, like magazine interviews, you know, it's like piss the wrong person off and they can totally spin the whole thing. Yeah, which is just making me, I mean, I know that a lot of tabloids are fake and spun a certain way, as well as the news, even like the more reputable channels. It just makes me think just. I don't know. Like about creating <laughs> and consuming consciously because it's like yeah, like so much stuff is like fake and like curated and even like you know yeah. I've been doing audience work like sitting in the audience like so much of it is like staged and fake like fake laughter fake clapping like all this stuff. It reminds me of, bl- of a Black Mirror episode for sure. But even social media is is fa- well it's curated and we yeah. know this but Twitter I think is like the realest out of everything. <laughs> Why? Um, Cuz it's just words. Uh, just in my experience, like I, I also, my experience of Twitter as a organization, they're not as uh white supremacist in their, um, <laughs> what's the word? Um, really? In their censorship. Oh yeah. Like people, like women and social activists get shadow banned a lot on Instagram and face shadow band oh where yeah. i've seen this yeah mm-hmm. well like, i've seen it for like sex workers and like yep. strippers yep i don't know about any other topic like that makes sense to me i don't sex think it's workers right and strippers and um like activists like anything speaking out against white supremacy okay because yeah. they say it's hate, hate speech or something exactly but there's a lot of stuff that gets to stay up that is hate speech that Mm. but it's like on the other side but that's definitely another episode but still like (laughs) in terms of creating consciously it's like I think it's like check your platforms um check the person filming you and like if you are being part of a video or a photo series or a magazine interview or whatever like do your due diligence to put it in the terms of the contract of like what is this going to be used for? You know, how, 
what's the storyline and kind of getting it there because I think where a lot of people get shot in the foot is when you know they get taken out of context kind of like us like we our group thought we were being filmed like as like oh this is so awesome but then when we saw the edited video it's like no it it made us look really bad but that's media, right. you know there's a good and bad side of it and so it's really a just back to creating consciously, like being involved with certain outlets and platforms and things that are committed to integrity and honesty and authenticity. And, you know, you'll never know for sure, for sure, but it's always good to do some sort of due diligence, I think. Yeah. Creating consciously is a huge topic and there's a lot of ways that you can look at it. And then there's also consuming consciously. And then this concept of normalizing that art matters. Art does save lives. And it is just as important as anything else because a world without art and a world without creativity is pretty bland and sucky. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts, Kat, that you would like to leave the listeners with? If you're an artist, to just remind yourself that you don't know how your work is going to affect or who and they're not always going to tell you but if you already know that what you want to do with your life or what gives you joy is making art even if you don't have the answers on how you're going to survive or how you're going to um, stay financially stable you just need to do that and to not lose hope you're not always told that people appreciate you or people understand you or connect with you and then for people who are not artists or don't consider themselves artists to just remember the value of it don't add to the stigma that it's just an extra thing. If you really do imagine the world without art, there is no Netflix, there is no music, you know, there's no colored cars or mm-hmm. clothing. Candy paint. <laughs> makeup even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People act like it's another thing, but then you really look at the world and see that it's everywhere. It's Art is the very thing that you want to go run to when you're getting off from work or trying to decompress Absolutely. from a lot of things. I love that. And I love that this episode turned into creating consciously, but adding on the consuming consciously. It absolutely is one of my foundational like tenets of my work that artists matter and creators matter. So those of you listening, definitely rewind right now and just listen to those final thoughts. Thank you so much, Kat, for being here. I love doing all the things with you. We always have a lot of fun. I'll link everything in the show notes, Kat's YouTube and her website and her Instagram. You can see her work. It's really stunning. All the ebbs and flows of creativity and being one of the many artists that can inspire the rest of us to keep going. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And to those of you listening, thank you again so much for being here. This was Self-Love and Creativity. Courageous Self-Love, the official podcast for the self-love resolution. I'm your host, Amelia Fortes, and we are out for now. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you're loving the show, make sure you become a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can get episodes where you can't get anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash the Amelia Fortes. I'm doing mad.